Welcome to The Healing Catalyst. I'm your host, Dr. Avanti Kumar Singh, and I know that Ayurveda can transform your life. How? Because it transformed mine. And the best part is, it's easier than you think. Your body has exactly what it needs to heal itself. All you need to do to enhance its healing power is to start practicing healthy routines, which I can teach you. In over 20 years of practicing both Western medicine and Eastern healing traditions, the most important thing I've learned is that healing is a journey we take together. So on this podcast, I'll be demystifying Ayurveda and other integrated medicine, showing how these simple, ancient practices are the keys to unlocking a healthy modern life. We are all healing catalysts because healing starts within. It starts with you and it starts right now. Let's get started. This is a Soulfire production. Episode number 25. Hello, my beautiful friends and to my friends here in the United States. I hope you all had a nice holiday weekend. I had some downtime and also went away for a few days to celebrate my 25th wedding anniversary with my beautiful husband, Kanwar. It blows my mind that we've been married for 25 years. That's a long time, but I guess it's not that long either. And because it's a new month, that means we have a new intention, which for the month of July is heal with food. And yes, we'll be talking about food as we traditionally think of it, fruits and vegetables and grains, what we eat, what we drink. But we're also going to be expanding the definition of food to everything that we take in, because in Ayurveda, everything is food. The media we consume and watch, the emotions we feel, the energy we're exposed to, the relationships we have, and the work we do, the things that we eat and drink. Everything is food. Every aspect of life has the potential to nourish us, which is why I was so grateful for my conversation with my guest today. Nithika Chopra. Nithika is the founder of Chronicon, a media and events company dedicated to elevating the lives of those living with a chronic illness. Diagnosed with psoriasis at the age of 10 and psoriatic arthritis at the age of 19, Nithika has lived over 17 years of her life being defined by her conditions. But 10 years ago, she decided to take all of the lessons her health journey had taught her and use it to help others living with chronic illness. In our conversation, Nithika shares her healing story, the social and emotional toll her chronic illness took on her, in addition to the severe physical pain that she experienced. She talks about how her relationships and community have nourished her and been a source of strength and growth for her. She tells us about the healing catalyst in her journey and shares why she had to become a voice for others living with chronic illness. Nithika is an old soul, such a beautiful soul, and she has so much wisdom and insight. Her healing story is inspiring because it's a reminder that healing is a journey that we take together. I'm so incredibly happy to share my conversation with Nithika Chopra with all of you today. Well, hi, Nithika. So wonderful to have you on my podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you. Of course. It's my pleasure. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you to tell us a little bit about your story and maybe 
tell us about your childhood or your early years. Because I think that so much of who we are when we're older um, has so much to do with who we were as younger people. Yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, I, I guess like the first thing that comes up for me was I was called a pataki from the age of two, which means firecracker in Hindi for those of you listening. That really encompasses <laughs> what mm-hmm. I was. I um, was just really outspoken. I was really creative. I was really just very, very, very different than my family. And I think that sort of has shaped me in my life in so many ways because um, it started as a, at a very young age, me being like, you know, unsure of myself or having to like fight for what I believe in and things like that. So I am, um, yeah, I grew up, you know, all over the world for the first few years of my life in Cairo and Singapore. And, uh, my parents, when we moved to America, first generation, you know, I'm first generation Indian and I don't know, I don't even know where to start. And then I ended up getting psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. When I was 10, I got psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis when I was 19. That then shaped me in a whole other way, you know, and really um, all of these different things just like added up to me being the person that I am today. Mm -hmm, Of course. So tell me more about your healing journey and your story. Yeah. I mean, I got psoriasis when I was 10 and it started with like a small spot on my left arm. I like remember what I was wearing that day, you know, cause it's like an image in my mind I'll never forget. And had to get like a biopsy to get that confirmed and all this different stuff. It was just an incredibly intense experience. Um, I had really severe psoriasis for about 17 years. It was heartbreaking. It was physically really painful. It was emotionally really damaging. Um, Socially, it was really hard. So, you know, I started off talking about how I was always different and I always felt different. And that was even before I had the psoriasis. Um, So this just really, you know, deepened that feeling, that feeling of separation, that feeling like I'm not like other people, like what's wrong with me, a lot of self-doubt. And the psoriatic arthritis, you know, made things that much worse. It was probably like pretty acutely painful for about six or seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, till my mid twenties, and so, yeah, it was just a really, really, really hard journey. Mm-hmm. So I'm really curious to know what it was like for you to go from what you describe as your personality when you were younger, of being this pataki, being this firecracker. Um, I love that word. We actually we say my sister is a pataki. You know my sister and my, I my call younger your daughter. Pataki yeah, sometimes. <laughs> exactly right. But how was it to go from that personality and then having a chronic illness that was so painful and so outward? I mean, it was it was something that other people could see. Tell me about that sort of, did it change your personality? I think the underlying thing that I'm sort of sharing is like, I just always felt so different than everybody. Mm-hmm. And so I think when the skin stuff happened, it just made me feel that much more like there was something really wrong with me, Mm -hmm. you know? And of course I had a 
disease, but just like in the greater sense of the meaning of that phrase, like, oh, like I'm, I've always been curvier than everyone in my family. I've always, Mm -hmm. even my hair is different. My skin looks different. I'm even like a bit darker than some of the people in my family. So it just really compounded all of that. It was like, you know, and that's part of why when I talk about like self-love or I'm, you know, doing workshops or teaching about self-love, I'm always like, it is not this like, you know, easy path that's like filled with crystals and love and, you know, (laughs) just like whatever, like green juices and all that stuff. That's not what self-love really looks like. It's this super messy, you know, painful process a lot of the time. And it's usually because you have to really honor and face like how much self-hatred you have. Mm-hmm. And that was what I went through for sure. Growing up, I don't think I realized I had so much self-hatred until I was like in my 20s. Um, but I did. And it was just so, so, so painful. And so the skin thing, you know, with the way that I grew up and everything, it just felt like an app, like a confirmation for like, oh my God, there really is something really wrong with you. Felt like it was a reflection of, oh, you're not like everybody else. Oh, you're, you know, there's something, you're bad or you're not okay. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, it took me a long time to reprogram my brain from Mm -hmm. thinking that. So then my question is, what, what would you say was the catalyst or the turning point for that shift in how you saw yourself of, I'm really different. There's something wrong with me. All of that negative self-talk to then starting on this journey, right? I'm not going to say that, you know, you're, you're there, right? It's always a journey for all of us, but what was the, what was the catalyst for that? Do you think? Well, I started dating my ex-husband and, you know, he was sort of the first person in my life where I had come from a family where, you know, traditional Indian, like you do things one way, you look one way, you act one way, you go to school one way, like that's it. And I didn't do any of the ways that I was supposed Mm -hmm. to do things. So when I started dating my ex-husband, who was also Indian, but he's like very different and very open and stuff. He's the first person that really taught me what happiness was. I went through almost two decades of my life where I just felt like I wasn't allowed to be fully expressed. I always say he saw this version of me that I am now. He Mm -hmm. saw that when I was like covered with psoriasis and so sick. He was so clear about this woman, you know, and I was, I could feel that it was true, but I didn't understand it. Like I didn't know how to become her. I didn't know what, how, what that even meant, but I could feel the truth in it. And, um, yeah. And then through being with him, I started taking life coaching classes. I started, I trained to be a life coach. I started taking different, you know, workshops and things like that. I had never done anything like that before. You know, I had never, I didn't even know it existed. Right. So it was a long journey from there until now. There's been many other things, but I would say that was, he was the catalyst to me opening myself up to a whole other world. Mm, That's beautiful. It's really beautiful. I I think it's so inspiring, first of all, that you can see that it's it's a difficult relationship, right? Mm -hmm. To be with someone and divorce them, but then to be able to see the gift that they gave you is so evolved of you. So how would you say 
your health challenges have affected other areas of your life? My health has affected, especially two specific ways, two specific areas. Mm -hmm. It's affected my relationships probably the most. Mm -hmm. And I'm now at a place where I feel like I've gone, I've gotten through so much of that through therapy, through codependency work, through all of these different things that I've worked through. But it's probably the biggest area that it affected and impacted in my life because I really felt all of these things that we were talking about, you know, that brokenness that I felt on a physical level and then on an emotional level, I would, I didn't know how to handle all of the feelings that I had, you know, and now looking back at it, I'm like, no shit, Sherlock. If I had a child that was going through even half of what I went through, I would not expect her to have any clue of how to handle that. Right. But people really didn't understand that psoriasis was more than a skin condition. They didn't understand that I had extreme fatigue, that I wasn't sleeping because I was itching and bleeding through my sheets every night as a kid. They didn't understand the flaking and the scaling and the dry skin. It was like having your lips crack and bleed, but like from head to toe like how that happens in the winter. And I lived like that for 17 years of my life, you know? So Mm. people really didn't get what was happening at this. Like now you can look at pictures and it's like, how could they not get it? So it really affected my relationships because I didn't understand how to, um, how to connect based on who I was. Cause I, I didn't really feel like I could connect with who I was myself. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to connect in other ways outside of connecting through pain and connecting through trauma. Cause that was the thing that was always on my mind. I also like would definitely become codependent, you know, and just feel like I wasn't okay on my own. So as soon as I connect with somebody, like I want, I want to be all in, I want to do all of this with you because how am I going to do it without you? Because I don't know how to be okay without you, without whoever this person is, you know? And I can say that very clearly now because of the work that I've done on it, but it was a problem for me. It was really, really, really painful. And I think a lot of that is also like the way that it impacted me in a positive way Mm -hmm. is that I am so empathetic and sensitive and nurturing as a person in whoever's life that I happen to be in. And I just know like, I'm definitely the friend that people now come to when they're hurting, when they're having a hard time, when they're confused or upset. And I can really hold that for them in a way that doesn't exhaust or deplete me or like destroy me because I'm like, girl, like mm-hmm. this is, right. I get it. I get it. Like, I'm okay. I can handle it, you know? Um, so I would say it impacted me the most in my relationships and in both positive and not so positive ways. And I think also in my work life, you know, it's been, I learned how to become an entrepreneur. I taught myself how to become an entrepreneur because it was really a survival mechanism, you know, because I couldn't really stand for long periods of time. I couldn't have a day job that other people could have. I did have exhaustion and fatigue and brain fog and all of these things that 
weren't on a timeline that was like clock in and out. And so I basically was like, well, fine. Like, at least if I do this myself, I still work my butt off. I work so hard. You do. But if I'm having... That you do. (laughs) I know that about you. Thank you. But if I'm having a really hard day, I can work in my pajamas. I mean, now we know that from COVID, but that wasn't something that people were really okay with until recently. But I can work in my pajamas and I can say, you know what, I'm going to take, I'm going to make all these Zoom calls, phone calls today, or I'm going to make, you know, I'm just going to write today and I'm not going to worry about being on camera or whatever it is. I can make it my own, but it's not something that I could do so much with, um, with working for someone else. So I would say those two things, you know, and also like movement, which I know you and I have talked about recently, mm-hmm. um, you know, moving my body has been probably like one of my greatest struggles of just like figuring out how much is too much and when am I okay? And re- that's like probably one of the last areas that I'm trying to like reprogram my brain around. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so those are some of the ways that it's impacted me. And I think what's so beautiful about what you have shared with us is that you're able to see the impact that your illness has had on those two areas of your life specifically. And then you've been able to say, okay, well, this is how it's impacting it. And now let me flip it or let me try and address it and and deal with what, how that's affecting my health in reverse, right? Because my health is, is affecting my relationships. My health is affecting my ability to have a career, have a vocation, you know, to work. And that's okay. So that's, that's, that's the reality of it. But then you're flipping it around and saying, okay, well, how am I going to adjust so that I can actually do these things and have these things and have them have a positive effect on my health and support my health, which I think is so incredibly important, especially for whoever's listening to this podcast to really think about, you know, because it is an exchange, it's a back and forth, right? Um, You know, we talk about in Ayurveda that again, that toxins come from every aspect of our life and we can either allow them to accumulate in a negative way, which then leads to more issues, more symptoms, whatever, however subtle or, you know, obvious they are, or we can process them and keep what we need and get rid of the rest, right? And so I think that what you've shared is such a beautiful example of taking what you need and getting rid of the rest, right? Taking the positives of, okay, so I'm going to work from home. I'm going to make this my own. I'm, I'm going to become an entrepreneur because that's going to work with what I have, what, what's going on for me. And you've, you've created a positive, beautiful thing out of it, which let's shift actually into your work because you, the work that you're doing in the world is so inspiring and um, just so needed. So I want to talk a lot about that, about, you know, your work in chronic illness and really being an advocate. But, you know, let's start with, you know, what, how do you define chronic illness as someone who suffers from a chronic illness? You know, we can look up the definition and I, as a doctor can talk about that, but I want to hear from you. What, what is, how do you look at it? How do you feel about it? Yeah, well, I always say the National Health Council states that a chronic illness is 
anything that has persistent symptoms for three months or longer. Um, and so I start there cause I feel like it's very tangible so people can just like see it. Um, but it's obviously, as you said, like, it's just so much more than that when you actually have a chronic illness. Um, it's, it's never ending. It's even if you get breaks from it, like I'm not, you know, touch wood, I'm not in a flare <laughs> right now. Um, you know, and so I'm like, okay, I'm fine, you know, but it's always there. It never leaves me. I still have to take the medication that I have to take. I still have to be on top of all of my doctors. I still have to manage all of the insurance stuff. I still have to handle, you know, just the overall maintenance of my body and my my health in a way that is more extreme than maybe someone who doesn't have chronic illness. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that's, you know, that's how I think about it. And I think what's really interesting is that doing the work that I've been doing, there are a lot of people that have chronic illnesses that don't even realize that they have a chronic illness. Or one thing that I've really noticed is that they aren't ready to own that they have a chronic illness. And there's something about it that feels shameful, that feels like they've failed, maybe, um, like they've done something wrong. And they just don't want it to be true. So it's, yeah, it's not something that they're able to own or willing to own. And that's been really interesting for me because I got diagnosed at 10 years old, I feel, and it was also so visible for so long. Like I never really, I don't remember ever having that thought of like, I I mean, I couldn't not, I felt like I could not own it. I'm sure there are people out there who still don't own their visible conditions, but I felt like I couldn't not own it. Mm -hmm. And so that's been really interesting to me too. So I think, you know, it's really what you you know, what you might define it as for yourself. But for me, it's persistent. It's never ending. And it's just a part of my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Because it it is very, very common. I mean, there's lots of statistics, but one that I read about was that the CDC reports that six in 10 Americans suffer from a chronic illness and that four in 10 have two or more chronic diagnoses. That's a lot. That's, that's a large percent of our population, which I think is why the work that you're doing is so incredibly, incredibly important because there are so many people living with chronic illnesses. Either they accept it, they know it, they don't know it, but they have them. And um, there's not a lot of support for them, right? Because we're, we live in a, in a culture that is very much about here's a symptom, here's, here's a diagnosis, and now here's some treatment for it, and let's make the symptom go away. And I'll see you later. That, that's kind of the, the culture that we live in, which is very different than Eastern healing traditions, right? Ayurveda, which is what we come from, from our South Asian roots, um, which is very much about wellness. And that doesn't mean that it's wellness without symptoms. I think that that's a big thing, especially in the wellness industry in this country. I know we've had conversations about about wellness and the wellness industry, uh, especially in the United States, and that it's very focused on like, let's get rid of the symptoms or like wellness is no symptoms, but that's just not true. Wellness is is your mindset towards it, right? And how you Mm -hmm. approach your symptoms. And so, Tell me about, you know, how did you decide, you know, you, 
you're living with this chronic illness that's very painful, very debilitating. And then you decide, well, I'm going to be an advocate. And that's a lot of work. How, how did you make that decision to do that? Yeah, well, you know, I didn't make it right away. Mm-hmm. It took me about eight years, like seven or eight years before I was able to understand that the way that I was meant to help people is by focusing on the chronic illness journey. I knew I wanted to help people. I never hid my condition. Like that was not it, but it was just kind of like, well, I don't want it to be gratuitous. I don't want people to feel pity for me. I also like a huge part of my, you know, my wellness journey has been to not like hyper focus on it. So even though I have to manage all these things all day, it's like, I don't want my whole identity to be, I'm a sick person, you know? And so I'm just like, oh, that doesn't sound like fun. Like, why would I sit here and talk about it all day long? I think, you know, in about 2016, 2017, I was going through a really rough, patch with my work. So it was really through getting to that rock bottom, you know, and asking a lot of questions, praying a lot, asking for guidance. Um, And I went on a bit of an exploration with it. Like I could be doing a talk, which actually happened at the end of that year, where I'm talking about self-love. And one person who doesn't have a chronic illness asks me a question and I answer it and give her, you know, a full answer. But then someone with a chronic illness asked me a question and I am like bawling, like giving them all of my information. Like, I feel like I cannot wait to help this person. I know exactly what they're feeling. It's, it just pours out of me in a way. And I have a confidence about what I'm saying that's also very different than I had before. What have you seen as far as the effects of having a community on your health? Every time we post something and we, have different, we have themes every month. So we have different conversations about whatever that theme is. We're having conversations on the feed, all of that stuff. It helps people know that they're not alone, that they are not like, quote unquote, you know, losing their mind or something like that because everyone around them is like, what are you talking about? It's not that big of a deal. Or why don't you just do this thing when they're like, I can't, you know, and they're not being believed. So it's all of that. It's all so healing. Any person who's going through something and you just feel that someone sees you and you're like, oh my God, like you get what I'm going through. Like you, you, even if you haven't been through it, it is so incredibly life affirming. It helps you build confidence. It helps you then really what we do at Chronicon is we create a foundation of confidence so that people can go out and follow their dreams, go pursue things that they want, date more, you know, make friends, be more social. Because what happens when we're dealing with chronic illnesses, which is what I dealt with for so long, is that you feel that that's all that you are. You're constantly feeling that. So you don't go pursue your dream. You don't go on a date with that person. You don't go and be social and put yourself out there. You just stay isolated. And that, I think, to me, that is the biggest problem with, I mean, there's so many, I mean, healthcare and affordability and access and all of that is such a huge problem. But in terms of the skill set that I have the ability to actually help, that is the problem that I saw. Like, I want to try to help with that because I get what it feels like when I was bedridden and couldn't move because of my arthritis in my early 20s. 
you know, I had to really fight to figure out ways like, okay, well, I'm just sitting here, but I'm going to write an article or I'm going to like research something or I'm going to, you know, try to like expand my mind and do something, even if I can't move out of my bed. Mm-hmm. But we're not taught, we're not trained to do that, you know? So, so that's a lot of what, what we do at ChronicCon. Beautiful. And it, it reminds me of sort of another, you know, principle in Ayurveda, which is that, you know, we talk a lot about food and nourishment and, and I really talk a lot about, you know, food as medicine, but it's really like, why are you eating? It's for nourishment, right? But I also expand the definition of what nourishment comes from. It's not just from physical food, like vegetables and fruits and grains and all that. It's actually, everything is food for our souls, right? It's everything. And so I think that relationships and connection are such a huge part of that. You know, just look at what's happened to all of us in the past year with COVID, right? At first, nobody knew what the hell was going on. And we were all like, oh my God, how am I going to, what, what? I don't understand. And then when the reality of it set, set in of having to quarantine and being, you know, in our homes, there was this sense of loss of like, oh my gosh, I can't connect with people. And then that really set in a few months later. And I know it's been very devastating for so many people. And it still is. I mean, I have two college age kids who are in that time of life where it's all about connecting with other human beings. And suddenly they were pulled out of school in 48 hours and told to go home. And they're like, wait, what? You know, and, and I have a husband who's a, a total extrovert and, and he's like, oh my God, I can't connect with people in, in real life. So I'm not saying that that's, that's what we need to do, but I think we all learned something this year. Anyway, I know I did. I hope people have is that there are so many ways that we can nourish ourselves and connection with other human beings is nourishing, but it's also healing. I think that's what I was sort of trying to get at is that I feel like the community that you're creating, because there's an understanding of a shared sort of situation, even though everyone's situation is different, but there's an understanding, there's a connection that's made. And that is so healing. Like you said, it builds confidence. It builds friendships. It builds just sort of the energy to try something because you know that there's all these people cheering you on. Right. I think it's just such a beautiful thing. And I'm, I'm so proud of you for creating this amazing community. It's, it's just, it's amazing. So do you have a couple minutes just to do a speed round of some interesting questions? Yeah, I would love that. Amazing. Okay. Complete this sentence. Wellness is personal. Mm. Yes, it is. What is one myth about chronic illness that we need to change? I almost want to say, well, that it's all in our head. Mm. Like a lot of times people hear that. They think it's not, basically what I want to say is like, it's not as bad as we're saying it is. Mm. and that's just not true. If we're saying it's bad, it's because it's really bad. Right. Yeah, I agree 100% with you. What is something that people often get wrong about you? Everyone thinks I'm an extrovert, but I'm not. I'm a very (laughs) enthusiastic, but very, very introverted, actually. Mm. Mm. I would never have guessed that about you. What is something that most people don't know about you? Well, one thing I don't, I don't, I haven't really talked about is that I, I go to CODA 
which is like um, a program for codependency. Oh, it's something I'm really proud of. It's actually like a 12 step program. It's really helped me understand that mechanism where my coping mechanism was to attach myself to someone or dive into something with someone as a way to numb out or not feel what's going on with me, which is why the point of pain is like something I'm so passionate about. Cause I'm like, really, we need to be taught to sit with our pain and to go into our pain and all of that, but we're typically not. So that was the way that I handled my pain. Um, so being in CODA, I've been in it for like three and a half years now. And, uh, it just, it completely changed my life wow. in every, every way. So it's been really great. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. What is one thing that you're deeply grateful about right now? The first thing that came to mind was like always come to mind is God because I feel like I have such a strong relationship with God. And I really feel this past like year and a half with the pandemic, I lived alone for the Mm. last, I've lived alone for a long time, but I was basically alone for like a year. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, so much of that time, I was just like, if I didn't know that I could lean on God, I mean, all of that codependency stuff, all of that stuff, I would have, I just don't think mentally, I maybe would have even survived it. Like it was so hard. Right. Um, so I'm very grateful for that. But I also was going to say, I've got really great girlfriends and I feel like more and more and more grateful for them and just like their belief in me and their love for me. Mm, amazing. Uh, what book is on your nightstand right now? So I listen to audiobooks and I'm listening to a book called The Soulmate Equation. It's like a rom-com, which I've actually never listened to a rom-com. I usually do like memoirs or right. like, you know, something like that. It's really good. Okay. Um, it's like super juicy, smart and funny and sexy. And I'm just like, this is so fun to listen to while I'm like packing and disheveled and just like, whatever. So it's been fun. I have not gotten into like audiobooks, but everybody tells me that like I should start doing that. I'm, I think I'm going to have to look into it. Okay. You've inspired me. What is a song that you're listening to on repeat right now? I've been listening to a lot of like, Tracy Chapman and like Lauren Hill and Janet Jackson. Old school. Woo-hoo. Yeah. I just remember, especially in high school, you know, college, just being so obsessed. Like I wanted to be Janet Jackson. Tracy Chapman was so great. Lauren Hill. It's just like iconic. Beautiful. It's just yeah. so good. Amazing. If I offer up the phrase to catalyze healing, what comes up for you? Owning the truth about where you are is like the most powerful way to catalyze where you want to be. That's been like the magic secret sauce for me in my life, you know, it's just really, it's not fun or easy all the time, but it's so necessary. Mm. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for being with me. It's been just a pleasure having you, Nithika. If you love this podcast, and I so hope you did, please subscribe. That way, you'll get real-time updates anytime I post a new episode. And if you're feeling really inspired, please leave a review so that others can find this podcast more easily. 
If you want to learn more, visit me on the interwebs at avantikumarsingh.com and you can subscribe to my newsletter where I send exclusive invites to my events, special announcements, and give you more self-healing tools and tips. And if you want to hang out even more with me, I spend most of my time on Instagram. You can find me at Avanti Kumar Singh, and we can connect more there. Until next time, remember, with the right catalyst, you have the power to activate your own healing, because healing starts within.